Next Chapter Podcasts. For me, social media is for talking shit. Uh, but there could be a whole other, like, for there could be another, like, social media thing. It would be a little bit more complicated to articulate a softer side. I just think that's so funny is that you, you were like the definition of, the, of social media. It's to talk shit. It's, you're saying it's not for connecting people that you haven't seen in a long time. No, it's for talking <laughs> shit to those people. Right. Or you need like because, oh, that, everybody. Yeah. You've been doing this wrong. You think you were trying to find your old high school yeah, girlfriend? Like, no, this know, is. I could tell her to go fuck herself. Right, that's that's, what, that's the what point. It's, for, it's to not say, to say I miss you. It's to tell her to suck my fucking dick. That's. I can't believe. Was isn't that what Facebook was started for? Yeah, like, I missed in the movie. I think he said that. Untitled, How Does It Feel by D'Angelo off his 2000 record Voodoo. It's also number 481 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Sup, Fleecers. Fleece Army Unite. We form like Voltron. I fucking love this album. And I fucking love going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums, guys. And we are making our way down, dude. We're like one away from 480. And uh, it's getting good. It's getting really good. I'm having the time of my life making this, everybody. And by seeing that the people that did listen to me and do the Instagram stories... Uh, I see that a lot of people are digging this as well. Keep doing it, man. Keep posting on your social media and tagging me at Josh Adam Myers, hashtag the 500 podcast, hashtag fleece army. Do it on Instagram stories. Do it on the Instagram page. Do it on Twitter. Do it on Facebook. I don't care, man. Just help us get the word out because I love you. I love this. And I'm having the time of my life making this. This week's guest is podcaster, actor, and instigator, the one and only Michael Rappaport. Let me tell you something, guys. This was one of my favorite episodes. He was only going to give me an hour, and then I asked him this one question, and he like took his hat off and unzipped his, uh, his hoodie, and I was like, oh, I got him. And then we sat and talked for two hours, man. And I can't thank Michael enough. Uh, this was so much fun, and I know you guys are going to love this. I love him for coming in, and yeah, man, it's a good one. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by D'Angelo. Also, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. That's where you find out about our Patreon page and ways to join the 500 Club. That's where you get the mixtape. 
from all of our guests. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have every guest is making you a mixtape playlist. And uh, you can get inside the musical mind of all the guests. And it's really fucking cool, man. Go to the500podcast.com to find all of that. So, here we go with number 481 out of 500 with Voodoo by D'Angelo. Let's just dive right into it. So, right. so why did you choose this album? Um, I chose uh, D'Angelo's Voodoo. Well, I was, you know, you gave me the, the you gave me the, I gave you the list. You gave me the list of ones that were coming up. There's a lot of hip hop, dude. A lot this of hip hop. But... This, this, no, this is a soul record, but you know the. I mean, I could talk about hip hop. I mean, listen, music is so. Um, uh, is special to everyone, but you sure. know, it's special to me, and it's had such an imprint on my life, and such an inspiration, and I'm just a fan. Um, and and you know, I could talk, and I've talked, and I made a documentary about a tribe called Quest about hip hop all the time, and you know, but you know, before hip hop, um, you know, for me, it was always soul music, disco music. Uh, uh, that's what was around me. Um, and 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 this move, this record to me, uh, D'Angelo's record, in my opinion, there's been there's been some since, but in my opinion, this is the last truly pure soul record that has been made. I think you're right from from top to bottom. Like, and that's no disrespect to the other people that have come since this record. And there's been good records, but when I say soul, like th- th- this this record is spawned from. Al Green, Bobby Womack, Sam Cooke, Shaka Khan, Marvin Gaye, uh, Bill Withers. And you can hear the influences throughout yeah. this whole record. Yeah. Sly and the Family. So, so, so like, it's, it's like a, it's like, it's not a homage, but it comes from the essence of Stevie Wonder, of John Coltrane. Like, it's a purging album. Yeah. You know, like, this record is, is such an emotional purge. Yeah. Um, and a creative purge, and 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 it's such a a, a, a birthing, um, and there's so few records, even great records, that other records that are on this list, um, that I could talk about that I would describe as that, like a true birthing, like a, you know, like it's like D'Angelo and and company, because I feel like this record was a. Uh, like a, a conglomerate, yeah, yeah. This is a whole movement yeah. uh, of people that are working on this. Let's just dive into this. Okay. All right, our album is number four eighty one out of five hundred. It's the second studio album, Voodoo by D'Angelo, released January twenty fifth, uh, two thousand. Produced by DJ Premier, Raphael Sadiq, my boy, and Dominique Trenier. I hope I said that right. Probably not. Yeah. Recorded. Friend at- of mine. Did, late. He passed. Down. Did he? He had a good guy. Can you say his last name for me then? Trenier. You Tren- said it right. Oh, I did say yeah, it. Yeah. fuck? Good guy. I, 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 yeah, everybody, anybody who knows Dominic, you know, he had a real raspy voice. He sounds like me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we could probably have a strip club yes. DJ off. Yes. Uh, and this was recorded at the world famous Electric Ladyland Studio. Now, to back up what you were saying, this is released during the first month of the new millennium, and this is... Uh, Voodoo is amalgamate, amalgamated evolution of the soul and funk giants of the 20th century. So yeah. you mentioned hit greats. Marvin Gaye, James Brown, Al Green, Isaac Hayes, Barry White, Curtis Mayfield. You, you hit every yeah. single one. 
And Prince, you know, it's very Prince. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, how does it feel? Literally sounds like a Prince song. Just even the... I mean, I can't... It's special. It is very, very special. But what I loved about this is after reading, it's like he got some of the greatest... Uh, musicians working in R&B, soul, hip-hop, jazz, funk, and rock in to make this neo-soul masterpiece. What's going on in your life when this comes out? So so I, I obviously I'd heard the first record and you could tell he was very talented and, and you know a lot of the 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 uh the videos and the performances it would be him at a piano and he looked really young. Yeah. Um and you'd like you know he had been talked about like he's this music savant and he plays all the instruments and all stuff but by the time we got to this record, there was talk about the record before it came out. You know, you had started hearing about it in Source Magazine, in Vibe Magazine, in Rolling Stone Magazine, on MTV. D'Angelo's follow-up record with Questlove, the DJ. Uh, I mean, Questlove, uh, DJ from the Roots and yeah. drummer from the Roots. And, you, you, you know, there was... It wasn't like now with the internet. You, the, you, you, you know, you kind of heard things. Literally, you heard things. Um, you couldn't track them the way you could track now, track dates. It, I, 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 you just couldn't. I got this on Napster, illegally. That's I, how I got I got this. it at Tower Records in New York City. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, like by, by the time 2000 came, I mean, I have been so immersed and so deeply uh, dedicated and inspired by hip-hop and soul since 1979. Like, I'm not listening to anything else. Soul... No, Hip hop, Mot- Motley Crue never no, popped not, in. It. it never. There was no Bon Jovi. There was no Bruce Springsteen. Barry Gibb and Barbra Streisand. That, but that's the Bee Gees. But you to me, that's was? the Bee Gees. I mean, that's got some hip hop flavor. Y- you know, and it's it's disco. Like, but Bee Gees. That's 70, 79, 80, 81 when they were still rocking. But like, I'm just like in love with you. Are I mean, you made for Christ's sake. You made a documentary about one of the most iconic fucking hip-hop groups of all and I, time and i'm a snob I, I, I didn't know it but when i look back like i'm a snob like i'm very i'm still i've gotten in you know i've offended people most recently about <laughs> have my, you? My, my snobism <laughs> about hip-hop because i like my hip-hop served raw that's it i don't like uh uh, uh my music um, but particularly my hip hop, I don't want any manuals i don't want any well this is some new shit they're doing like i like boom Boom, boom, boom. Funk, smack, boom, bap. That's how I like my hip hop. I'll fuck with some obscure shit and all that stuff, but like, I don't want to, like, I need to be able to listen to my hip hop when I'm happy, when I'm mad, when I'm excited. Like, I I, I need to, like, that's how I absorb it. And like, it all derivative of funk, James Brown and all that shit. So, so this record, I remember when it first, the first time I knew it came out. There's a very uh, uh, a cool looking cover. I mean, my my girlfriend at the time she she had she had noticed it. We were in a oh, bodega. This got a bunch of women hot and saucy. Yeah, but dude, there was this... a picture of D'Angelo on the cover of Paper magazine in in like red uh, uh, bikini underwear, and it was like Burt Reynolds type shit. We all have that photo. Yeah, <laughs> of ourselves. Yeah, but you know, and and then the record dropped, and and like you, you know, like. You know, that, that How Does It Feel untitled video, it's such an incredible song, and it's such a performance. And at first, the song, it's really like, it, it, it's an interesting mix because it's, it's very romantic, it's very sexual, it's, 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 it's all, you know what it is? It's every single form of fucking. It's, 
It's it's foreplay. It's cunnilingus. It, it's blowjobs. It's, it's hard fucking. It's it's intimate. It's fucking. almost like it's it's just like the beginning of the song. It starts off like this is he's laying the girl down and like exactly, dude. And then as it starts picking up, his lyrics hit those, and yeah, that's like and it's, that's just like it's getting deeper. And then the song's coming to to the end where he's basically they're both having an orgasm yeah. and it's but but in a I love mean, way that, yeah but, dude, like I'm not like, I'm not putting it down at but all that's it's, the thing. it's some, not some fucking song. it's making love it's yeah. it's they made love to the audience yeah and some songs are fuck songs some songs are romantic like this is like pure sex making love combined and and like I said so, usually it's one or the other yeah um and and it's so like and then when you saw the video and it's in one take. And and he's there and his performance and it's like is it gonna show his dick? You showing his ass, and and it's just a perfect song combined with a perfect video with a guy who's in his prime, um, and it was such a iconic. You know, you didn't see like the thing like you didn't see anything uh, in the video, but it's the song itself is so implying of sexuality. Then when you see this naked dude, or what it seems like he's naked, I don't know if he's naked when they're filming it. The whole thing is just, it's just, it's just erotic, and 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 it's fantastic. And and one of the things about particularly that song and that video, being a fan of his, like as as much of a success as that song and that video was, it almost, it almost um, stereotyped him. Oh yeah, he hated it. This is they're saying this is why he went into hiding. Because it, it it's like, you know, at first it's cool, like women are going nuts, and then it's like they just want they want him to be on stage with his shirt off. Well you do realize that like when before they started making this album, before they started making it, he was out of shape. Yeah. And so he got into shape to like start doing the promotion for the album and then he became this sex and it symbol. Pigeon, pigeonhole and he's well, really I mean, a musician but also and listen I'm not putting him down for this because it made that song so iconic what do, what do you expect if you're gonna get half naked in but a music video I don't video? think you expect it could be that I mean dude, that, like the response was so like dude it was like literally you see the you see the V you yeah. know, it's like dude maybe like two centimeters you see like you know the top of the the dick shaft the yeah. dick root yeah. I mean what does he dick expect root. I mean that's like but but I think I, I who would expect it to be that like it was like a it was like and and at the end of the day as cool as D'Angelo looks yeah as 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 sex symbol as he as he became he's a musician and and there's a certain nerdiness to Jimi Hendrix to to Miles Davis to to fucking to 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 flee to anybody who's a dope musician. There's a amount of time you spend in the house. Yeah. Before you're cool, before you're successful. There's a there's a you know it's almost like a, being a video game computer nerd or some encyclopedia reading guy because you're 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 just held up in your home. So that's the essence of who he is. Is this music savant genius, and you get thrust into this sex symbol thing, and and you're like. What the fuck? Like I wanted this success, but this is gone way. And I think there's a I understand. there's a shyness to him. Oh no, I believe. Listen, the guy after this record came out, he went into hiding for yeah. what like over ten years, yeah. and then like it wasn't like until he released that new album. It was I just remember constantly like when is D'Angelo's new yeah. record gonna come out? When is D'Angelo's new record? And then he dropped Black Messiah, yeah. and then it was like okay, this is re- voted one of the best albums of the year. The guy, listen. I was that Wu Tang fan. I was Old Dirty Bastard was my favorite fucking record. I like I loved it. Jizza, all that shit. 
I still could get down to this because there's a way that you respected what he did. You knew he just wasn't, you know, some other R&B singer. You no. knew that there were, like you said, the influences, the, the even the music video. It's like the <laughs> fact that he did that to me was like a really ballsy thing because yeah. it was controversial because there weren't like that many dudes doing that. Yeah. Mostly women are half naked, yeah, but you, yeah, get, yeah. you get D'Angelo yeah. to go out there and it was incredible. And, and, and the music... When, when, when the record landed, there's so many interesting things going on in between the songs, at the top of songs, at the end of songs. Um, you know, it's like you're almost listening to a bunch of really good friends who are really good musicians doing making a record and 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 you know like the laughing well this is dude this is uh basically the Soulquarians and you know this is all of Roy Hargrove, uh, Pino Palladino, Erica Badu, Talib Kweli, Mostef, uh, Common, James Poyser, Questlove, Q, your boy Q-Tip, Jay Dilla, and Bilal. And along the voodoo, the soul Koreans are all mixed and mingled with talents to various amounts of success. And when they were making this, there were other projects going right. on in that studio. You had The Roots, Slum Village, Common, and Erica Badu. Right. This is a collaboration of all of that. Because yeah. if you think about it, like I mentioned, The Roots, this has that Roots feel. <laughs> yeah. The Roots are all over this. And, I mean, again, it's, it's Quest Love. I mean, the drumming, the sound that we're, we're uh, so familiar with because he's so uh, all over the place. Yeah. There's so many different things, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, he's such a, he's our, he's the drummer of, uh, his generation and our generation because you see him and his, and his fame and the sounds and the versatility and, and, you know, don't, if you're, if you've never seen the roots live, you know, it, 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 it do not take it for granted watching them on the Fallon show. I've seen them, dude. I've seen them because I used to work at the 930 Club in D.C. Right. I've seen the Roots probably 20 to 30 times. Yeah, they're, I got kicked out of a Roots concert because I took Molly and uh, and I was just I think I was just a little too touchy. Uh, and I was also drunk. And right. then they took me out. Uh, but I was like, oh, fuck it. They'll be back here in, in three months. I'll see you yeah. again. And they still, like, one of the, about the roots, like, they still act like they're an up-and-coming band. Yes. Oh, dude, dude, uh, there's... The amount the, of touring. The the idea that they're on The Tonight Show, I mean, for the real fans, like, you you keep us in mind, man. Like, we were alive when the roots, dude, fucking, uh, what is it, Things Fall Apart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When before, that record came yeah. out, and it just was like, that was my shit in yeah. 98, 99, I think, when that came out. These kids today... Don't fucking realize that because they see Jimmy Fallon yeah, and they yeah, say, yeah. oh, who's this guy with an afro that's playing yeah. the drums? He's just like his fucking, you know, you know, Paul Schaefer. So, yeah, so yeah. there's there's something that we appreciate as yeah. being older. All right, yeah. Let's let's dive in to the tracks. OK, okay? it comes out first with play a player. And I feel like this is a song that sets the whole mood. So, Peter, play minute 108 when the horns come in and just let that ride as we talk. So this is uh, a very, very sexy song. And as I'm reading the lyrics of this, it's like, steal you with my two shot, control you with my drop, blaze you with my handle, impress you with my rock. I was like, okay, is this about fucking or basketball? (laughs) Immediately. But there are some lyrics. uh, You know, this is basically about basketball. Now, you are a sports fanatic. And you also directed When the Garden Was Eden. Mm -hmm. Uh, Huge Knicks fan, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, if you had to compare D'Angelo to a New York Nick, who would you say the he's going to be? Prewell. Really? Yeah. You choke a motherfucker? Nah, just because there's a there's an edge to him. There's an edge to to to, to him. 
um, and a, and a, and a sort of unpredictability. Yeah, and, and that's why I would say, and obviously, you know, uh, 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 around the same time that he was, uh, this record came out. Spree was with a Nick with the Knicks, and he he, you know, that that, that that that's my answer. It's pretty well. I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. And then another cool fact about this song. Do you know that Mike Campbell? of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is playing the guitar on yeah. this. And they said they got together a bunch of dope musicians. Yeah. I mean, I've jammed with Mike Campbell, mm. uh, and he's it's just like I'm in awe of him. That's cool. Um, what's an unusual creative partnership that you've been a part of that worked out uh, stronger than expected? That's a good question. Um, oh, I got a bunch, dude. Oh, man, let me think. Um... Dude, this is everybody. You know, you know, you know, it would be it would be uh, with the director Nora Ephron. Okay, um, I worked with her on a not great film, but it was a great script called Lucky Numbers. It was a great cast, and I didn't know what to expect from her. And 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 uh, um, you know, she she sort of gave you the impression. She gave me the impression that she didn't uh, she didn't know what was going on at times. But the thing that I took away from her that 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 stayed with me about filmmaking and about collaborative experiences and that I took into when I made the Tribe movie, which was the first uh, uh, documentary I, I directed. Cause, but when I would ask Nora a question when we were making this film, Lucky Numbers, with John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow, and it wasn't a great movie. There's some, some good shit in it. But, but she, I remember asking her questions and she would say, I don't know, but let's figure it out later. Yeah. I don't know, but let's figure it out. And and I I remember when I asked her that and her responded to me and I was taken by it because um, most of the time directors well they might know the answer or they might fake an answer and she was comfortable and confident and en enough to say I don't know but we're gonna figure it out yeah and and there was something that made me feel um, very relaxed about that and, and 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 so we had a good thing so I didn't know what to expect from her and like i said she kind of seemed like you know she's new york and she passed obviously um but but that would be the the thing and that and that was the reason why uh, uh was working with Nora Ephron. terrific man yeah it's definitely because she's what did else she did she did sleep in when seattle harry and sally when harry met and, sally you know, i wrote mean before that and you know wrote about what i love about you as an actor is that you can kind of walk in both worlds you can play a tough guy and then you can also play a romantic i right. mean it's 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 pretty impressive and i do, i don't know if i saw lucky numbers but it's not a great movie but it, john travolta was in it and going to work and working with him and i all my all my scenes were with him and i get to like rough him around yeah i mean cuz we, we talked about the 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 Saturday night fever and 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 that rec, that album uh and, and that that film is a fucking pivotal point in my life i was nine that's a pivotal point in my life saturday yeah. night fever so to be able to act with him and in the context that i acted with him now i was a kid in a candy store you were just in awe the whole time <laughs> i was just i was elated yeah yeah it was so much fun i love that dude some sample lyrics that I that I like about this song because this is about basketball, but it's also like I don't know, it's, the this is I'm not saying it's all about basketball. Yeah. This is from all the research I've done. Uh -huh. I've gotten it's about. But see, this is the thing about D'Angelo. He's deeper than that. Like these lyrics right here. Bring the drama, player. Give me all you got. Make your move. Shoot your best shot. Like that could be about anything in life. Yeah, because basketball is a metaphor for life. So let me ask you. Tell me about a time that you brought drama into a situation that was completely unnecessary. All the time. 
<laughs> I mean, shit, that's a good question. I mean, I think that's sort of been something that I've done my whole life, to be honest with you. Why is that? It's just- I don't know why. It's just something that's been a part of who I am. Uh, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, uh, you know, w- when I was a kid, I got kicked out of... I don't have a specific answer, but I could say about the the the, the, the drama and 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 now I refer to it as the disruption. Yeah. When I was a kid, I got kicked out of school, from 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 uh, nursery school, and, and then all the way till till the very end when I graduated in the twelfth grade, and I left and changed schools from the third grade to the twelfth grade, and I remember about ten years ago. Uh, my father had sent me all these old report cards and write-ups on me and um, psychiatric evaluations because this is the 70s, you know, so they didn't know if I was like, they didn't know what the fuck, you know, and they wanted to put me on Ridlin and all this shit. What do you think it is, ADD? I don't, I, no, I don't think it was ADD. Or it's just being a kid. I, I just was a fucking asshole. <laughs> but one of the things, and I remember feeling, it, it made me, it, as I got older, I, I had a little perspective on it, and I remember sort of like, it sounds sort of like, uh, psychoanalytical, but I, I remember reading these and, and my I felt sad for who I was because the thing that it kept saying was disruptive, 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 disruptive. And and now I sort of embrace it like that's my persona, disruptive behavior. Sure. You know, and, and, and that's just... So do you my think... My mother used to tell me, you came out this way, you know, I used to be like, you know, you didn't, you know, I'd be like, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And I'm like, I, now that I've had kids, like certain kids just come out this way. And, 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 and as I've gotten older, I like, I embrace the disruptor, like to be like an antagonist. So now you've taken it to a level where, well, fuck it, you know, cause now you, everybody loves it. Now yeah. people are like obsessed with they, it. They if something it. happens then they want to hear you go the fuck off. Yeah. Dude. But then, 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 you know, and then until it hits them, you know, so they love it and they hate it. But <laughs> you know, th- about being a shit talker and a disruptor, you have to be able to give it as good as you could take it. So you, you can't just give it. Yeah. You got to be able to take it. Oh, of course. So, because a lot of people can't take it, they don't like to get it back. So, I know it's part of the it's part of the fucking it's part of the profession. Sure. So, sure, I dig that, dude. Uh, going into Devil's Pie. Mm-hmm. Now we mentioned Napster earlier. This is one of the ones I illegally downloaded. I'm sorry, D'Angelo. <laughs> I owe you a dollar for it. But uh, I heard this in the Belly soundtrack. This is also released as the first <laughs> promo single on Halloween, and this is why you said it came out earlier in 1998, mm. over a full year before Voodoo uh, actually hit the shelves. This has got uh, DJ Premier mm-hmm. all over this song, mm-hmm. uh, and this is probably the most DJ-based and sample theory track on the record. And it's also also a cautionary lament on the state of commercialism mm-hmm. in hip-hop. Um I mean, just go ahead, uh, fucking Peter, play the chorus to this. Play the chorus, Peter. Fuck the slice, we want the pie. Why ask why till we fry? Uh-huh. Watch us all stand in line for a slice of the devil's pie. And and you know it's crazy, you know. And and this is like by the time this comes out, this will be a public thing. It's I was on the phone when I was downstairs before I came up to do this podcast with uh, my good friend, uh, and I was a fan beforehand, but he he's a friend now, Maceo from De La Soul, and he was 
just talking to me right something i saw something about fuck tommy boy or like fuck tommy boy what is they, going on they they, they, they they they've got their devil's pie and and they played the devil's pie game and basically you know a lot of a lot of artists and music uh, uh have gotten fucked over the years and and basically the conversation that i was having with him was you know Tommy Boy fucked De La Soul when they were young, when, when they were young, hungry, and had no choice. And they're continuing to fuck De La Soul now that they are grown men. Yeah. Um, and so fuck De La, fuck, fuck Tommy Boy, fuck the actual Tommy. Um, you, you, you know, you shitted on these artists for so long and, and free De La Soul, free their music. I, I bet you they have a record on this this top. I know, I'm pretty sure they it's, should. It's, what is the one with uh, Potholes I mean, in My Lawn should be on there? I was gonna say, well, or De La Hole is De La, De La Soul is there. Yeah, I would say something like but that. that. I haven't looked, but the, yes. that's the lyrics of, of 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 Devil's Pie, and that's what he was talking about. And and uh, it's I was literally just talking to my guy Maceo, DJ Maceo, and they've been in the thick of it. Um, um, you know, since uh, since uh, they've been dealing with this fucking record and and the samples uh, of with this record since the fucking thing came out, and and now on the other side of it, while while the why the music business now is uh, they're making money, they're still Tommy Boy is still trying to fuck De La Soul as if fucking them when they were teenagers wasn't enough. You want to still fuck them now. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, in off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Yeah, and it's actually funny that you're saying that. So, uh, according to Questlove... The song addressed the issues of the money-hungry, jigified state of the world we're in, which you can't eat without dough, cream, ice, cheddar, and bread, the key ingredients, and how the devil will destroy those who will sell their souls to him. Mm -hmm. That's basically, D'Angelo said, this is a straight blues song. He said the the vocals are in the spirit of a chain gang, and you can hear Mm -hmm. that in the chorus, and he says, or have the feel of slaves. Mm -hmm. He said the feel slaves were in the field picking whatever the fuck master had us picking, and that's what we were singing along that time while out in the sun. Mm -hmm. Do you think what what Questlove said will ever change? I don't think it'll ever change, and I don't think it ever needs to change. But specifically in hip hop and the bling and the, and the getting jiggy with it and all that shit, the state of hip hop now there needs to be a balance. Yeah, there there has to be a fucking more of a balance. How many fucking lean 
Rolls Royce, Gucci, fucking Louis Vuitton. It's crazy because, you know, you would never hear a, 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 a guitarist be like, I don't know who the fuck Jimi Hendrix is or I don't know who the fuck, you know, Albert King is. You, you would never hear that. You, you'd hear them pay homage. If there was some like, you know, you hear like, you know, Gary Clark and these guys or John fucking Mayer, you know that motherfucker knows everything about blues and blues guitars. Of course. All right. And, and, and if you, you would never hear some basketball player be like, uh, Bill Bradley, I never heard of him. Fuck Bill Bradley. They like they would at least they have the 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 the, the understanding to respect the, the 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 history of the game, but in hip hop and it is rebellious music and I get into this with other people too and I I'm just a fan. People misconstrue it like I got some stake. You're in more the game. than a fan, dude. No, but You're... I'm just a fan. I don't have any money in the game. True, but so people get offended by my opinion. But I'm like, we in hip hop. There's artists that'll be like. I can't remember his name, and it doesn't matter his name. He's a kid. Say, I never listened to a Wu-Tang record. I'm like, that's not something to be proud of. You that's, should be embarrassed that you never listened you, to a, you, like, And you're a rapper? To be a comic, you have to know about Carlin and Chappelle and know about Pryor. But that's why we are where we are with hip-hop. Because the majority... They don't. Of, that's extreme, that kid who said that. But it's like... Their idols are... Dude, the people that are making records right now, their idols are guys that are like are little pump. Their idols are those it's gotten, people. It's gotten so far away, and, and 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 there's there are good ones. There are good ones, and there, there there's a lot of good you know young dudes and the J. Coles and the Kendricks. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like we've gotten the majority of it has gotten away from it, and and it's 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 very frustrating to me as a, as a fan. So moving ahead to left and right, and you were talking about hip hop. The second Red Man and Meth. Hit that verse. It took me back to the late 90s, early 2000s. This is one of my favorites on the fucking album because it is just smooth. And D's singing of the lyrics has its own beat aside from how good this that's fucking guitar is. It's just like there's such a flow to it. Play a minute 14 when D hits that falsetto verse that is so fucking smooth. Play that shit. I'm going to keep it real with you. Go. I'm going to be honest. I don't love this song. Okay. And, and, and as much as I'm one of the biggest Method Man and Red Man fans, you know, it was almost like required to put out a soul or an R&B record to have some sort of hip-hop at the time. It's it's not a bad song. It's almost like, it's not even really like a song. It's more like a, like a, like a, like a, like a jam song. Like, it's like, it's not like... Well, it's funny that you say that. This whole album was, what they would do is they lock themselves in the studio and they would jam for an hour right. and get the song from that. You can hear it. That's why, and, and I'll get to this, but that's why I feel like Making Love, to me, is one of the best songs on the record, and it's a cover. Because everything on this record has that long, drawn-out jam. Every song is maybe a minute or two minutes mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? I love that. I see but you do. I, 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 you know, like, like if you look at this record as like a five-course meal... Like drinks are being served, and 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 the, the the drinks are being served up until left and right, and then and then when we go to the next song, the line, yeah, that's when we sit down to start eating. That's to that's how I look because this record's long, yeah, you know, and 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 the songs are long, um, and so, like I feel like everybody's like mixing and mingling and standing up and having margaritas and whatever the fuck you drinking. 
ginger ales and that's what I drink and, and, and <laughs> cocktails and whatever the forties, you know, like there's all like, cause this is that time when forties was still popping. Um, you know, and then it's like, let's sit down. We're about to eat. And then, and then, then we get into the food. That's how I look at this record. So what is this? Is this drinks or is this appetizer? We're, we're, we're is this drinking. the blue we're onion? We're still, everybody's, everybody, everybody's still arriving for when the left and right comes on. Okay. Uh, funny thing about this song, uh, this is the only song to have guest vocalists. Like I said, Method Man and Red Man. Now, they were brought in. This is, I don't know if you know this. They were brought in to replace the verse originally done by a tribe called Quest Q-Tip. Right. You knew that. Did you know it? Yeah, I did. According to Questlove, the general opinion <clears throat> was that the song was cool, but nobody was feeling Tip's verse. <laughs> Q-Tip still has some vocal percussion remnants left on the rough track of it. Now, I, th- I don't, first of all, I don't know how Q-Tip has, has really ever had a rough day with his voice. It's just such a, a beautiful sound. and I, I think can, I was... can see them. I can see it not going right. Yeah. But because they're all, uh, they're all such perfectionists. And 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 it just could have been you know whatever, but but you know I know that they you know like I could just see it, it, it not going right at the time, um, because the the perfectionism between the, between what I'm sure D'Angelo is like, and I know Q-Tip is also very fucking specific about and cares uh, uh, almost to a fault. Yeah, I love him. I love that guy. Um, and it's funny, you know, it's funny. Also, another thing, I had a dream last night about Fife Dog. Yeah, that bugged me out. Um, so just you know, like, like. Well, how did that come about? How did you suddenly get uh, the the gall to be like, I'm gonna, I'm a white guy, I'm gonna make a documentary about tribe. Guys, and I don't, I don't mean to say like that. You're, I know it has nothing to do with color, but yeah. I mean just to to be like, I want to make a documentary about this band. When 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 tribe broke up, which was ninety eight, ninety nine. It was, I think it was ninety eight. I'm, so, I'm not a good date person. Some people are like, January of 98, I'm not one of these people, but I believe it was 98. I was at their last concert. Where was that? It was at... Madison Square Garden? No, 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 it was SOBs. Where was that, in New York? Yep. And after the and, 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 and after the show, I said to my girlfriend, I hope somebody makes a documentary about Tribe Called Quest. I said it to my girlfriend and my friend George, and, and we always remember that, because when they broke up, it was gone when I when they got back together, <clears throat> and I had met Tip and been friendly with Tip over the years. Met Fife loosely. I I said when they got back together and started doing concerts, I said somebody should do a documentary about Tribe Called Quest. I said this backstage at the Will Turn, to no not the Will Turn yeah the Will Turn, uh uh uh, uh to to Q Tip, my and I and I said to him somebody should do a documentary about Tribe Called Quest, and he said you should do it. You should do it. And that was like 2003. And then 2008, they started touring again. And I was like, I'm doing a documentary on a Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. And, and that was on a Tuesday. And on a Saturday, we started shooting. And it took three years. And, 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 and we, we made the movie. People forget how important Tribe was. Dude, Tribe branched. People, it didn't make a difference what you liked. If you, because it just sounded, it wasn't just hip hop. It was everything. It was jazz. It was yeah. rock. It was, it was soul. It was just so beautiful. Yeah. And it, it was just a different time. When that came out, it felt important. Yeah. You it know, was special. But they deserved that, that respect. Um, now, <clears throat> now I know this song uh, is about sex. 
And when I first saw the title, the first thing that popped into my head is just how everything is so polarized these days. And it seems like people are going hard for their side and there is no new ones anymore. It's just a tribal atmosphere like sports and the country is so divided, the left and the right. Mm-hmm. Um not to get sidetracked, but how do you think we can ever get back to people somehow meeting in the middle? We, we we're not. It's not happening. This this it's it's it it's not it's where where we are today in 2019. Yeah, is so far from any sort of middle. Uh, uh, it, 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 the the only way it was, was was something really terrible to happen, and I don't want to be a part of that. Like a 9/11 would. Bring, I don't even know. Yeah, I know, but it's it's I really. No, like, I don't want to even say anything like that. But we're so removed and. Social media, and I'm a participant in it, and all of it is fucking, we're in a bad fucking place. So as far as getting to the middle, I have no fucking clue. I, I, I am, I am uh, demoralized by it, straight up. Me, me personally, I'm demoralized by it. It's upsetting. Do you feel like the, the, the persona that you've taken uh, on, on social media has kind of flamed some of those fires? I'm sure, yeah, it has flamed. I, I participate in it. Uh, uh, you know, and but as far as politics, if you look up my 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 record, my 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 social media, and just my personal fucking podcasts or recollections or interviews, I never, I didn't know who the fucking speaker of the house was, who was running for. I didn't give a fuck about politics all, until Trump. It's such a concern well, he, to me, he, yeah. literally, and yeah. I'm being straight the fuck up. Like I am, I am just now in the last two years starting to educate myself about what's going on in politics now uh, uh, and going back in history. I'm uneducated, and I think the majority of us are are uneducated about politics. Um, and we talk, and those are the people that talk the most. Those are the people that talk the most. Yeah. Me, I, I don't even get into policy. I don't get into any of that. I don't get, because I, I, I'm uninformed. I get into the behavior of this cocksucker. That's, that's, Oh, I do that's, that. I do that joke where it's like it's like it's not about politics. I don't like him as a person. That's it. Yeah. And 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 when he's gone, I probably won't. You'll probably won't. You won't hear anything from me about politics. So that's how I feel about this guy. So so to to just jump right into the next song because it's kind of the the title says it all. The line. Yep. Uh, I love this song. There is no chorus on this song. This song is just a message of strength. This is an introspective track that has a down-tempo spiritual sound with lyrics about dealing with some unnamed adversity. And according to one critic, it could be about this MIA status uh, or just getting left hanging um, or about anyone facing doubters with a revolver loaded with talent and self-confidence. And I feel like you can get it. Some of the lyrics... uh, Said, I know everybody watching me. I said, the pressure is on from every angle, political to personal. Will I hang or get left hanging? I mean, this is some deep shit. Will I fall off or is it banging? And I says it up to God. Uh, play uh, two minutes, 53 seconds in. The deepest lyrics is hit with that. Oh, no. 
All right, so here D'Angelo is talking about how there are rumors about him, and he even says, I know everybody's watching me. I said the pressure's on from every angle, just like I said there. Now that social media exists, we get unfiltered hot takes about everything, kind of what you were saying before. Do you think having immediate uh, avenues of expression has helped or hurt our society? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's it's definitely... There's, there's pro and con with it because it's so severe and so strong that it's a little bit of both. And I think it takes everybody to, uh, 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 you know, uh, sort of um, police what, what you do, what, what you say, how much you, 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 you participate in it. And, and, and that, that's for me, too, um, because it's there's there's pros and cons to it. There's pros and cons to it. There's. There's there's a lot of good that comes from it and there's a lot of bad that comes from it. Um and and the fucking internet is a very uh deceiving uh place to fuck around on. It, yeah. it, it's it's a deceiving place. Some some people shouldn't have voices though. Some people shouldn't have voices but uh, motherfuckers got them. I mean, the motherfuckers, you know, Alex Jones is, you know, on Joe Rogan's podcast. I, I mean, this you know, it's like you know, so it's like and and that's up to Joe and, 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 you know, and like some people shouldn't have voices. Like I kind of like knowing what people I don't agree with. Like I listen to Ben Shapiro's podcast all the I've time. I've heard of him. Yeah. And, and people are like, why are you listening to that? I go, first of all, I think he's smart because you could disagree with somebody and they could still be very smart. Second of all, I like to hear the other perspective. It, it's like, if you're, you know, it's not that serious, but you know, the metaphor, like if you're playing football, you always want to know what the other team is thinking. You always want to know what the other team's plays are, so that's why I listen to his shit. But I also think he's smart. Somebody like I don't listen to that shit. Well, that's that's your fault. To me, you can't be smart without hearing other people's opinions, even when you don't agree with them. For sure, I completely agree with that. You know what I mean? I mean like, even the Washington Post is like maybe it's a, pro, a liberal it, leading newspaper, but you have an to analysis listen to it all. An opinion, an opinion. They have you Trump have supporters you, and they have left wing Democrats. I, I don't agree in black or white with personalities and opinions. I don't agree with it. I, I don't, I don't, well, I'm not, you know, I mean, with certain things, like I'm not listening to them. I, I listen to like Farrakhan. I don't agree with all the shit that he says, but there's a lot of things that I find interesting and smart that he says. And as a Jewish dude, and a lot of times like the shit that he talks is about uh, Jews, that still doesn't mean I can't say, you know, these things are smart and these things have elevated people. Uh, 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 I don't fuck with this stuff, but, but I'm not following them. I'm just listening. Yeah. Just like, you know, I could say, I, I'm sitting here and like you say, which record? And I want to say D'Angelo, Voodoo. And I could say, you know what? I don't love left and right. Just like a Tribe Called Quest, uh, you know, there's always a big uh, question. Which record do you like best? Midnight Marauders or Low End Theory? And I say Midnight Marauders because there's two songs on Low End Theory I will always skip past. Yeah. And that's, but that doesn't mean I won't say Low End Theory isn't one of my top five records. Yeah, I get you it. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, like if you, like it's like, but there's a difference between saying I don't like this song and, and you don't, and then being able to say, literally write to a congressperson and say "fuck you, suck no, my dick." I know, but I'm just like you know, when people are like I don't listen to I don't listen to Fox News. I, I listen to that shit. I want to know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, I agree. That's to me is for somebody who knows they're not that educated. That's smart, and yeah. I suggest everybody does that. Let me ask you this: What is uh, your line that nobody better cross? Damn, that was a hard slam, dude. Yeah, Jesus was, Christ. Was, yeah, that's my line. <laughs> my line that no one better cross. 
don't know. A line that no one better cross. Let me ask you this. When we come back to that one, tell me about a time that you crossed the line with another person and regretted it. Fuck, man. You could ask my <laughs> wife, man. Like this morning. <laughs> man, there's been so many times shit that I've crossed the lines. You know, I've, I've, I, I say things all the time that, you know, I don't believe in not having regrets. And, you know, like this is, oh, I don't have any regrets. I wouldn't take anything back uh, 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 because then I wouldn't be the person who I am. I have plenty of regrets, plenty of things I've said that I, I wish I could take back personally, uh, 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 social media wise, you know, in my personal relationships. I'm very ornery. I could be uh, uh, very, uh, I could step on toes and I could spit in faces accidentally. You know, I might spit on your face while doing this podcast. I'm not doing it on purpose. But I, like, you got you, juicy mouth. Yeah. But if you talk <laughs> shit and, and you're a disruptor, yeah. you're going to spit on people's face. And you sometimes, like, I'm not going to say, well, fuck that person. No, I, I didn't mean to spit on your face. I'm here to talk shit. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, you know, in a sort of funny way, but also not in a funny way. Like, you know, I mean, there's so many fucking things that I've, all the time. It's, it's hard to even pinpoint one that I could you know, even say, you know what I mean? Like, even just the way I talked to my wife this morning, I was in a bad mood. I didn't say anything. It was just the, what, the way I was saying it, saying it. Sure, yeah. That's a big thing with me. It's like the way I'm saying it. It's like the tone. I have a tone issue. <laughs> I have a tone issue. I have a there's, a, there's a pop at the end of my, a lot of my words. And it's, some of it's New York and some of it's just me. I, I think it's, there's, there's a, something about, you know, I'm Jewish too. And it's just like, we have that, like, just that we get passionate about things and then we just like I was do you saying juicy mouth? <clears throat> Dude, I feel bad for whoever's in the front two rows of yes, any comedy yes. club because I am just pontificating I spittle I know. all over them. I and always I'm like, feel like I have to acknowledge them if if, if I know I've spit. Just on fucking them. go, dude. Just fucking go. They're here to see I you. Know, some know. people might be fans of Mighty Aphrodite and be like, right. fuck yeah. yeah I, know, I just I got know. some juice I on know. me. But I'm always he on to, me. like when I see it go through, past the mic and I'm like, did it land in their cup? You know, but what's your line? What is something that really pisses you off that that will really, really get to the fucking? Well, when, I don't like when people I, for me, I don't like when I'm like, I know that like I'm very aware that uh, I I play the fool, but I don't like my, my I, I, I draw a line when people think that I'm dumb and are, are and, and, and they take take that for granted. They, they think, because to me, like, uh, uh, it takes a genius to play the fool. So if you actually think that you're dealing with a fool, that, that's, a, that's something that get me riled up. Yes, yeah, so and has that happened recently? Oh, it's all the time. Give, me, all, give me a recent uh, occurrence where you bit back. What about with the Meek Mill shit? Was that, was that kind of in that same that, that would be something I wish I could take back. That really? Would be, yeah, and I said it because... I said Meek Mill's a trash rapper, and he's not a trash rapper. I don't. I'm not a fan of his music. He's not, but he's not trash. No, I don't think. Listen, from DJing but, at the strip club, I heard trash. <laughs> I always like when Meek Mill's. He at least was saying something. Yeah, his so, rhyme, so he had a that rhyme. would be something because it, it it got to him, and and I think he was like, I'm not a trash rapper. Fuck you, and and he had a right to because he's not a trash rapper. Yeah, and and I said, and that's why I would have liked to take that back because I could have been like this performance that I'm watching during the NBA All Star game is fucked up. This is whack. You know, this is Be not more dope. specific. Yeah, yeah to say to just to just shit all over all he's done and music he's made and he has made some good shit uh, wasn't right. And that's why. And that's why I say I, I could take that back. I, I wish I could have taken that back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as far as the social media thing. <clears throat> um, 
Because then when I'm like, see him doing it, and it's like, he gets insulted or people talk shit to him all the time, just like any other celebrity. But there was a re... And also, I don't look... I look at myself like I'm just a guy on Twitter. I know now from, from the responses that people are paying attention to what I say on Twitter. Oh, yeah, dude. I know, but I don't think that. Like, I, like this term troll, I'm not a troll because I'm just talking shit. Like, when, I'm, when you see me, like, pissed off about Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr. or whatever, the, or LeBron James is more lighthearted sports or fucking the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys or Tony Romo getting... Just keep fu- going. There's, like, so much you get pissed it, about. That's genuine. Um, it's genuine. But I don't expect these things to be seen. Like, I know it now, but yeah. when it's happening, there's not like, I'm going to do this video today, and at 1230, I'm going to release it. Like, it's like, <laughs> you motherfucker, and I put it out. Yeah. And then the response is, whatever the response is. You know, uh, so, so you know, like Pete Davidson. Yeah. I got in a whole thing with Pete Davidson. When did that happen? Not with him, because when, when he, he, yes. had, he, had, he, had, he had put out a tweet or an Instagram thing saying he would... He, he, Basically like a suicide threat, right? <laughs> and it was twofold. When it came out, it was like a Saturday or I think it was a sun. It was a Saturday. I didn't see it, but there was a Kanye West thing and a Pete, they were both crying. And that week, Pete Davidson <laughs> and Ariana Grande had been going. And I didn't see the suicide thing. So that morning I was like, Pete Davidson and Kanye West with their blah, 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 blah. And people were like, dude, what are you talking about? You know, you, you should be praying for Pete. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, and then I was like, oh, shit. And then, like, they said he had made a suicide thing last night. And people were at SNL and the police are involved. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? So I, I followed it up because I'm like, God forbid something happens to this guy. I'd feel horrible because I didn't know. I said, obviously, I had no idea when I said that, um, that, I, that there was something real going on. So cut to, he gets he gets better. You know, that whole thing happened. Yeah. He comes back, he's on Saturday Night Live. Um, and all these fans in the police department and people in his life and all, all basically all these fans and kids, you know, responded to his suicide mention, say threat, mention. And I was like, you need to apologize for that. Like, Let's say uh, um, I posted a picture of you and me right now with a bloody nose. People are like, what the fuck happened? Right? I would be like, don't worry, I'm fine. Uh, uh, you know, Josh's dog bit my nose. You know what I mean? Lekka wouldn't do that. Dude, don't worry about that, right? Yeah. But, but, but if, so if I said, yo, in my opinion, after you come back and you, and you chill from whatever you're feeling, Pete Davidson, you should say, hey, to all my fans that got worried to the New York City Police Department, and everybody that was concerned about it, I'm, I'm good. I'm sorry if I scared anybody. So you're saying he should have had a follow-up. That he was, yeah. Motherfucking A right, you should have had a follow-up, motherfucker. Yeah. 150 fucking percent, you should have had a follow-up. And if, and if you're not in a state to have a follow-up, you shouldn't be on TV. You shouldn't be doing stand-up. You should be somewhere getting help. And if you're going to come back and, you know, make jokes about it and all that stuff, you should acknowledge that you scared the shit out of people that care about you, even though they don't know. know you. And we just lost, we lost uh, one of my favorite comics, Brody Stevens. And uh, it's like, it's suicide is definitely something that's serious. And, and there's when you're people on the that... other side of it and you're a young kid, you should be like, yo, all those people that were concerned about me, I'm good now. And I appreciate, yeah. and he never did that. And when I said something about that on Nikki Glazer's thing, people were like, how could he comment on it? I'm like, comment on it? How? Who's not telling him he shouldn't do that? It just at least acknowledged, like, yo, I apologize for scaring everybody. I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah. Thank you for the support. Boom. So that 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 was another thing where I didn't take it back or whatever. So anyway, that that happens with me on social media a lot. 
You're great on social media. I love it, Mike. Yeah. You send it on, which is the I next song. You send it on. This is I also it's such a great song. This is the first song that he recorded when he did the album. And I don't know if you know the history that he had writer's block. Mm. He had writer's block. So he's a Deja Lad writer's block following the double platinum <laughs> success of Brown Sugar. And the two years he was on the road promoting it. In an Entertainment Weekly interview, he said, the thing about writer's block is that you want to write so fucking bad, <laughs> but the songs just don't come. Mm. They come from life. So you've got to live to write. And they started out with jam sessions, and not long after, you had the birth of his son. And later, his... With Angie Stone. Yes. And Angie with... Stone, who people don't know, forget, she was in one of the first rap groups and one of the first uh, uh, three-person three uh, rap groups. The sequence, she was Angie B. I want to funk you right on up. I want to funk you right on up. And then she had a, a, a sort of... A, a, a revitalized her career as Angie Stone singing and stuff like that. She's yeah, been rocking man. for a long time. Well, this you can hear everything. Peter, play the bridge at two minutes, 49 seconds in. This is the best part of the song. Play the fucking bridge, Peter. Hold on, be strong for your own. Move on before long, you'll get home. And uh, these are like, you know, compared to some of the other songs that came later, these are definitely some inspirational lyrics. Now, Mm -hmm. how has childbirth shaped your perspective on life? Man, that's a good question. Told you, dude. having Having a kid is a humbling experience. Raising kids, particularly boys is a never-ending, unfigure-outable, that's a word, jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> and especially when they're young, you think you got it figured out, you think you understand how they're going to be, and you think you're ahead of it, and then the kids just, you know, not literally, but figuratively come and kick the fucking, the whole puzzle down, and you're just like, what the fuck? And it's exhausting, it's fulfilling, you know, it's, it's all the cliches, but it's, it's certainly unpredictable. It's certainly unpredictable. How how old are your kids? Seventeen and nineteen. How did they feel about about the character online? They they understand him. They yeah. get it. They get it. I think some. I, I think at first they were like, eh. but now that they're older, I think they, they, they. I mean, they they know who I am. Yeah. They they know more than anybody who I am. Um, I I don't think they like uh, uh if it comes at me. Like as if you know they're like much my father, but when people are coming back at you, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think anybody would like that. But. No, but they, but they, they get it, and 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 I think you know, I mean, they're you know they know their dad's cool. Do they know? Do you? So do you? I I know we were talking about the character, uh, which I'm just gonna call the instigator because right. that's what I used to call my buddy Greg. Right. He always liked to instigate. Um, do you, you are you able to turn that off? Like when you're at home, or does that come out? Of course. I mean, it's you know, it's it's part of who I am. Sure. It's, it's an extension of who I am, but yeah, I could turn it off. I could, you know, I could just like, yeah, I could turn it off. And, and, you know, there's, there's a, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a persona, you know, yeah. it's a real who I am. Like oh, the it's point a of part view, of you. Yeah. But it's... but it's not like, 
all the time, you know, and, and it's not, uh, uh, you know, I, for me, social media is for talking shit, uh, but there could be a whole other, like for, there could be another like social media thing. It would be a little bit more complicated to articulate a softer side. I just think that's so funny is that you were, you were like the definition of the, of social media. It's to talk shit. It's you're saying it's not for connecting people that you haven't seen in a long time. No, it's for talking shit to those people. Right. Or you need like, because, oh, everybody, yeah. you've been doing this wrong. You think you were trying to find your old high school yeah, girlfriend? Like, no, you know, this is, I can tell her to go fuck herself. Right, that's that's, the, that's the what point, it's for. It's to not say, to say I miss you. It's to tell her to suck my fucking dick. That's I can't believe was isn't that what Facebook was started for? Yeah, it's like I missed in the movie. I think he said that. So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah. I mean, but it's funny because with the social media persona, it's it's like almost like I'm a shit talking comedian because yeah. I know people now they're like at arms. This is like, is this for real? Is this not for real? Like, you know, I'm like, yo, I'm a trained professional, man. Like, I, I've been, you know, I don't, I'm not like on set. Like, suck my fucking dick, fuck you, direct. Like, it's not. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like you know it's an extension of who i am but you know but but if you don't know me people i know now people are like proceed with, they they think they should proceed with caution with me yeah all right <clears throat> going into chicken grease uh peter play the opening guitar riff you that's when you're supposed to say peter play that oh yeah yeah you've well, been I'll doing get, it the I'll whole play time the fucking thing peter play the fucking thing You know, I'm not like a, 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 a like one of these like techno uh, tech guys. Technical, yeah. But but there's such a there's so many flaws in this record that I love it. Like the sound is not it's not it's not like digitized. It's all from jamming. That's why. So this is the the fact that I got. This is uh, another example of him and his band playing songs from their favorite artists to spur inspiration. Chicken Grease came out of them jamming to Curtis Mayfield's 1974 song Mother's Son. Mm. And you can even at this point we need to recognize I got to give this shout out uh, to the audio engineer Russell Alv. Fuck Alavedo, mm-hmm. uh, who recorded and mixed Voodoo using his old school recording techniques and vintage mixing gear in order to you achieve the distinct sounds found on these class on those classic soul oh. records. Now, interesting fact because it's all true what you're saying about that's why it has that feel. Uh, the song was originally intended for Commons like water for chocolate. Mm. Which, uh, along with Erica Badu's Mama's Gun, mm-hmm. was being recorded by Russell. Ele- I'm going to say his fucking name wrong. Ellie Elevato. As long as you say you're saying his name Russell, wrong. Russell, Russell. It I, sounds uh, fucked up if you say the name wrong and you think you're not saying it wrong. Yeah, dude. I, well, this is every name that I get from right. doing this show. I'm like, yeah, I just don't fucking hope so. Uh, they were recording all this at Electro Ladyland Studios at the same time as Voodoo. Uh, D'Angelo decided to keep it and offered Commons Ghetto Heaven Part 2 mm. instead. Uh, I do like this song. I just, as I broke it down, Chicken Grease is basically, for all the Jews out there, it's basically schmaltz. <laughs> and I would love to say, coming together for the chicken schmaltz. It's just, <laughs> it's just so perfect. Um, I got to ask a more lighthearted question. Okay. Uh, you know, you grew up in a, in a, what is it, Ashkenazi? I'm full Ashkenazi. Full yeah. Ashkenaz, just like me. Like, what are some of those, those fucking old school Jewish comfort food meals that just still well, to this day? It, I mean, 
the the ultimate Jewish sandwich is the bagel, cream cheese, and lox. Never got into lox. I like lox by itself, but I don't like it on a bagel. I'm dude. I'm I'm bagel, cream cheese, tomato, raw onion. Yo, uh, you put some motherfucking locks on that motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's that's my go-to. Yeah. From 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 when, that's my go-to from from jump. Yeah. And then there's you know then there's of course the soups, uh uh uh, uh matzo ball soup, uh and 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 uh you know I mean you know the way my grandmother uh um she's like you know from Russia you know the way she made stew. The way she made brownies. I mean, this is Jewish soul food. The best. You know what I mean? Um, and 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 uh, uh, but but the the comfort food for me is either matzo ball soup. But the true sort of like comfort food for me is 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 a and I'm very snobby about it. But a a, a toasted everything bagel with I'll tell them to put extra locks, cream cheese, capers, onions, tomato. That motherfucker right there yeah. is uh, sexual to me. Yeah. Like, I, that is my shit. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. That is my fucking shit. A bagel, cream cheese, and motherfucking lox. If I could eat that shit every day for the rest of my life, I would, but I'd be Oh my god, you'd be a fat fuck, dude. But if I could... That's that my, is like my heart and soul and my guts. My buddies used to work in college when they were going to the University of Maryland. They all worked at this bagel place right by uh, College Park, and uh, I remember it was like during spring break. I spent like five days just chilling at their house, smoking weed, <laughs> watching like you know they had one of those like converter boxes, so we got all the pay channels and like all the pay per view shit. And they would just bring home bagels, and that was what I lived off of for five days. No protein, just carbs. I put on 12 pounds and couldn't have been happier. Man. It's such a great feeling. Something I did with my mom. So my mom lives in Maryland. She's getting older. And one day it was cold and rainy out and she bought me a crock pot. And I was like, and I was like, you know what? This is perfect pot roast weather. So I called my mom and I go, Ma, I want, I want to make your pot roast. And she goes, all right, well, here's the recipe. I go, no, 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 no. I'm going to put you on the headset and we're going to go to Ralph's together. <laughs> and I put her on the headset and then we're going through Ralph's. She's like, you need to get the French onion soup dip. You need to get this shit. Make sure you get a, you know, a, a beef, blah, blah, blah. And then we came home. I FaceTimed her here. We cooked it together. Oh, that's cool. And then uh, set the timer, and then five hours later, when it was ready, I FaceTimed her again, and she had her dinner, oh, and that's I cool. had mine. That's nice. And it was just such a beautiful nice. memory. That brings us into one more gin. Love it. Love this song. Just slow and low. Smooth as someone stirring gumbo. And play minute one, 26 seconds in, play the verse. I got one more time. 
This is a, this is soul. This is soul music. Very much so. And 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 it, you know one of my favorite song parts of this song is at the end, the break at the end. You know, and Peter, play that, play that shit. Play the break at the end, like it's the last minute or thirty seconds of. Peter, I, I, you'll I, find it. I wrote the outro is sick when yeah. I go through my past. Yeah. And it fucking is, it's dude. It's dope. Uh, why do you enjoy it so much? It's just, it's just like, like, you know, we talked about like the meal. Like this is like now we're eating, we're having our first pasta dish. Like we're, 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 we're sitting down. We're like, yo, this is, we're eating. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, it's just soulful. It's, it's hypnotic. Good you know, it's it's like there's like a hypnotic fucking flow to this song. Yeah. Um, as there are with a few few of the songs, and and we're getting into a uh, 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 like you know fuck mode here. Like yeah. we're, we're 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 fucking with this. Um, but the the the, the grooves and 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 the the hypnoticness of of this song and you know and what he's saying you know because it's 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 written one one more gin uh, or one what is it one, one more, more gin, gin yeah. but it's like really once again you know like one 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 more time again you know that's where the, the well this is yeah so the song it's not is about a, one more gin no like it's drink. about it's about chilling it's like seeing an old flame yeah, I and see wanting, you once again I want to see you yeah it's like it's literally about that was great I mean thank you. <laughs> Well, this song's about an old flame, and we've all had people in our lives where we knew uh, had the universe function differently. Well, who knows? I could say, Karen! <laughs> Karen! I bring her up a lot. What's a good memory from your past that you wish you could hold on to a little bit longer? Oh, man. A good memory. I'll tell you a good memory from my past that I wish I could hold on to. I grew up love. My whole life was basketball, 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 basketball. And if you play any sports, but probably tennis, golf, whatever the fuck you play. But when I used to play basketball, and this happens to Kobe Bryant or any great basketball player, obviously when it happens to them, they're in the NBA. But it could happen to any basketball player, whether two-on-two, three-on-three, bullshit 60-year-old, a full court at the YMCA. But there's those times, and I can remember them vividly, where – there's a day for a few hours where every shot that you take goes in and it's like you feel like you have a superpower. Yeah, you're in the zone. But I remember the feeling. Yeah. And 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 I couldn't achieve it a lot. Otherwise, I wouldn't be fucked. I'd be in the NBA <laughs> and not NBA. Fucking doing fucking... You got the height. You got the height. But that feeling, you talk about that feeling, that's like a... a it's only a feeling, too, because it's not real. Every shot ain't going to go in. And for some reason... The next day, they they all miss, but there'll be a day where everything goes in, yeah. And and it's and you like when you say feelings, that was a feeling. I love that. Yeah. I've, I've been there too. Uh, that brings us into the root. Love now, it. see, we're, we're, I, we're I, rocking now. But see, I don't like this song. You're crazy. How am I crazy? I mean, I'm like we said earlier. Right, I'm allowed right. to have my opinion. Totally about didn't the mean motherfucking to, didn't mean root. Opinion share. Yeah, there you go, dude. Well, let me just let me just no, but go ahead. Talk with switch. You. I, no, go ahead. This song, this song, and this run from 
one more gin to the end is you're in a we're in like a we use a baseball analogy. We're like in Joe DiMaggio's 54 game hitting streak. We're uh, Kobe Bryant hitting 81. We're Will Chamberlain hitting a uh, 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 hundred points. Like we're in the cut. For me, like this record from 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 that song to the end, we're in a fucking zone of birthing. Like it, we're 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 he, we're they're so in the pocket as a as a as a as a as a let's call it a group of all the group of musicians. Yeah, and D'Angelo and the sounds and the flaws. And 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 the sexuality and the the spirituality of of the of the record at this point, like this, is why I wanted to do the fucking the shit because like that point of the it. record, like this we're is rocking. See, I I personally think this song is too long. I mean, this is six minutes and thirty seconds. I didn't like the chorus. I thought it was a little bit of a mess. And I just thought I always say, what song would be removed from the record to make it perfect? And I think if oh, you got shit. rid of this, okay. it's it's higher on the list. I got you. I think this is one of the fouls. But it is about heartbreak. And also, I'll give you this because I forgot to mention this fact. So when you get to, when we get to One More Gin, to The Root, and Spanish Joint, these next three songs were all recorded in one take. These are like, they didn't, they all played at the same time. This is coming out of a jam. And you can kind of hear it. I think that's why I personally thought the chorus was messy. Oh. Now... It's about heartbreak, okay? But, it's, but what he's saying is true in it. Uh, have you experienced heartbreak, either romantically or professionally? Choose one. Absolutely, man. I mean, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I don't even get heartbroken professionally anymore. And if there's any young actors, comedians, musicians, anybody in show business, get used to it. You're going to get told no far more times than you get told yes. And that goes for everybody. I don't give a fuck if you're Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. or anybody. I feel like no makes you better. Getting whatever a no makes you work harder. Every yeah, no I've gotten does, has made get me... Get used to it. Yeah. Get used to it. Like, you're going to be told no. You're going to fail. And if you and if it sends you into a spiral, uh, I either say you're not in the right business or yeah. get used to that. But in personally, heartbreaks... I mean, I, I think probably one of the one of the... One of the heartbreaks like tangible ones that my kids are a little older now so it's it's not so much but you you get your heart broken with your kids all the time you, yeah. you, you whether you you whether they're you know you want to give them when they get a little older and they have you know you 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 think you're having a moment and they're being shitty uh or you know they're not like those little kicks you know, it happens all the time. You know, being a parent is a heartbreaking thing. Most of the time, you know, and, and I pray for anybody, you, there's, there, you come out on the other side. But, you know, you get kicked around being a parent. So that would be like the thing. I could say, oh, this relationship, that relationship. You no, know, that's not women. But, do but you, being a parent is a, is a, is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fuck. Yeah. It's a fuck. Has it gotten easier or it's harder? It's all easier when they're older. Yeah. Because they understand more. They, they. They're people. Yeah, it's like life is more palpable. They you're can, not dealing they really... with a little mushy little thing anymore. <laughs> you know, you're dealing with a person who's like fucking got you know hair coming out of his uh, uh, shirt because he's got more hair on his chest than you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I got a 19 year old. So, do you think heartbreaks change your perspective? Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I think they they could harden you. They could 
They can uh, make you more compassionate. I mean, it could work all sorts of ways. It ain't necessarily always positive. You'd like to think that from romantic comedies, but that ain't the way it works in the real world. <laughs> no. you, you know, it don't always work out that way. No, completely. Uh, Spanish Joint. You were saying, I like how you said that this is where, I think this is the most ambitious song on the record. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, way different from anything that's been on it. Very jazzy. Like you heard yeah, the yeah, influences. Yeah. Of, I was saying this sounded like older Miles Davis mm-hmm. uh, to me. Uh, the drums get a lot faster. The horns, the guitars, everything's more scattered. Uh, this is play the jazzy guitar solo, uh, Peter, because it's fucking incredible. It's in the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. And play th- that shit. Peter. Play that shit. Fuck, we got to keep asking this guy for. I know he's, he's slow. Then at two minutes, the outro is just yep. jamming. I, the, again, that's what the, the, the group and the... And the, and the, and the They're like, feeling themselves. And this is not like something... This is like... You'd almost like... This couldn't be... This is not normal for a record where you yeah. have these like jams and these breaks. And it's... You know, like it's... It has like a hip-hop feel because, you know, th- this happens a lot on hip-hop where like, you know, uh, Premiere did this a lot uh, on songs where it would be... Uh, the song would start off one way... And you'd be like rocking, and then 20 seconds into the song, that never comes back. Yeah. That's something that's very hip hop about this record, and almost like a li- it's almost like a live record. This, it, well, it, this is, they, they did this. This is all them jamming. That's what but, I'm saying. This but it's is, not called like a live record. Like it's normal, like you'd put that stuff out, and it'd come out like 60 years later. Here's the unreleased jams, sure. you know, but they put it on the record, and, and, and that's something that is, I don't know if you can make this record now. Oh, I monetarily. I, mon- I mean, there's there's no big company backing this because exactly. this wouldn't get airplay. Yeah, and 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 to have know, a fucking Latin to have a Latin inflected salsa inspired song on on a record yeah. now. If if somebody if somebody did that in that's already in this hip hop world, if Drake did it, well, if Drake did it, they'd probably be like, yeah, oh my god, a chorus and be rapping and all that stuff. This is like like this record is needs to all be played together. Yeah, that's one of the things also that I love about it. It's a uniformed piece called voodoo, you know, like it's a uniform piece called a love supreme. It's a uniform piece called, you know, Midnight Marauders. It's a uniform piece called Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. They don't make. They don't. That's why I wanted to do this is because the album is is what the artist intended, not the single. They write songs for singles now. Back in the day, like you said, man, like the White Album, they were like, well, we could probably cut it down to half the songs and fucking it would probably be one of the greatest, most successful albums of all time. Or we could put this full journey that we did together and have it like, and if somebody doesn't like the song, who gives a fuck? That's what we were going through and that's the direction. Now, this is a lot darker than, than what I was expecting when you hear something so upbeat. He says... Gotta get me out. Gotta get me out of here. I'm in the dark, and the light looks sincere. Mm-hmm. Tell me about a dark period in your life and how you climbed out of that. Uh, dark period um, would be uh, getting divorced is, was a hard, hard thing. Getting divorced with kids. If you get divorced and and you and you don't have kids, it's it's just like a, a more complicated. There's it's like getting out of a lease. <laughs> right, which sucks. It's gonna cost you money. But if you got to, if you get divorced and you have kids, 
you, you're, you're, you're getting divorced, but technically, technically you're getting divorced, but realistically you're not getting divorced when you're, you're divorced with kids. So, yeah, you're still together. You still have to see each other. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I wasn't good at getting divorced the first time, and hopefully I'll never have to get divorced again. Uh, but it's getting, like you're still married, but you just can't get any pussy. It's yeah. just like, and anybody out there that's divorced with kids, if you're going to argue, you might as well be fucking. And it, I learned that too late. You might as well just be together and fuck and get all if there's any benefits. Because arguing just for the sake of arguing with another adult. Now I'm saying this now because I have perspective. You're wasting your fucking time. Yeah. You better get <laughs> something out of it. And if it's some pussy or whatever else, that's yeah. So. Feel like making love. Speaking of that. Love this song. Yeah. I love when he does covers because like a real artist, when he does covers, he completely makes them his own and 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 you hear him uh, uh uh make the song his own you hear his own emotions in feel like making love you hear his own emotions in other covers he's done dreaming eyes of mine you can't hide love i heard him do a great um i'm still trying with marvin um with curtis mayfield and 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 he doesn't just it's not like he's doing like some cover just oh, to he's cover. doing no he's doing his version of it and his emotions yeah. are put in it and his fandom is is, is what got him to be able to go deep into his emotions. And, sure. Uh, 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 some of his covers are some of his best things because he totally makes it his own. His feel like making love, it's, it's a little bit more upbeat than yeah. the... Than the um, is the it original? Re- is the it Re- Roberta it's Flack? Roberta Flack, yeah. That's more like, you know, and walking in the park. You know, it's real sort of... But he this is version is funkier. Um, I said this, this is what I wrote. I said, this song just thumps <laughs> with a groove that sits in your soul. That's what I felt from this. Uh, play the fucking chorus, Peter. Play it. You play fuck. It, you fuck. This is what I love about it. Then at like minute four, second 29, it drops out and then the horns just come in. And all I wrote was, wow, Peter, play that because this is so good. Play that fucking Peter. Along with jamming many covers in the studio, as well as playing them live in concert, D'Angelo has recorded some of the most notable ones, including, like you mentioned, well, she did uh, Smokey Robinson's Cruisin', Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell's Your Precious Love, mm-hmm. Prince's She's Always in Your Hair, and this cover of the Eugene McDaniels written Roberta Flack song. It was originally pitched to Lauren Hill as a duet, mm. but too many people got in the middle and it fell through. What's a project you've always wanted to do that has just never come to fruition? Shit. Project that I've never wanted to do that's uh, that I've wanted to do that never come to fruition. I mean, there's so fucking many. It would have to be I haven't directed a narrative that I wrote that was personal yet. That's the one that that like a like a narrative film about something that's really, truly close to me to write it and direct it and to act in it. That's uh, something I want to do before I get too fucking old to do it. What's stopping you then? Why don't you, you've got the time. Got the... I haven't put it fucking, I haven't put it all together yet. It'll happen because I know it's there. 
and 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 for me to even articulate it is 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 uh you know I know that it's there. It just I just haven't I just haven't put it all together yet. I haven't put it all together yet. No, I agree. I would love mm. to see that. All right, that goes into this is such a hard one for me to say. Great day in the morning backslash booty. This this, this in my opinion is Quest Love Song. This is the drums in this. He's the stops. The double beats are so sick. And the last minute, the last minute of it is straight hip hop. It's like a break beat. I'm surprised somebody hasn't rhymed over that. Play the outro chorus, Peter. I love this song. Now, here's some sample lyrics. Got to know just how to play the game. I search for answers often. I paid the price for many. What is a mistake that taught you the strongest lesson? Oh, man. It's all my behavior. It, 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 it's about controlling my emotions. That, 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 like, not being in control of my emotions has, 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 has been my Achilles. It's a blessing and a curse. So I don't have a specific thing, but, you know, there's been times when, you know, you get frustrated, you know, when my kids were little, uh, frustrated with, 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 with my wife, frustrated with anybody, and, and I've let my emotions, and it's just verbally, it's just verbally, but, you know, v- words can, can be hurtful. So that, that would be probably like doing that uh, uh, and knowing the ramifications of, 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 of how it might affect somebody. Yeah. No, I dig it. It's definitely a good lesson. That goes into how does it feel? And I wrote, this is what I wrote, seven minutes and 10 seconds of gold. Uh, This takes me back. We were talking about the music video, the subtle guitar, the vocals. Then at 540, as we were saying, it builds and just crushes. Play the whole build up until that shit kicks in and he starts screaming because this is, in my opinion... This is what I wrote. This song is the reason the album is on the 500. This song is that important that it's and it's that fucking like it gets into your soul. It's it's like you said, it's like it's a combination of just music and sex and life and everything. This song is is what I feel when people think about voodoo. It's this. It's of course perfection. It is perfection. It's perfection. It's an incredible, incredible performance. And it's personal. And it's a, it's a just a, it's perfect. It's a perfect song, and it and it, and it, it goes. It starts off one place and ends in another place, and the song ends abruptly. And I wish there was a fifty-five minute version of the song. Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. And co-written by Tony, Tony, Tony's Raphael Sadiq. Untitled "How Does It Feel" is clearly, and like I said earlier, a tribute to D'Angelo's primary influence, Prince. Yep. In fact, the Voodoo liner note. Saul Williams wrote mm-hmm. with an obvious wink I'd pay to see Prince's face as he listens to this album mm-hmm. uh which would be fucking incredible mm. um so he wears his inspirations like I said on his sleeve what is your biggest uh inspiration who and uh like maybe what career do you admire or emulate that kind of I, I, it's beyond emulate I can't emulate it but 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 Robert De Niro is 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 so means so much to me as an actor, 
um, and, and, and what he's done and the films that he's done and the emotions that he's tapped into and the emotions that it's uh, helped me tap into and living vicariously through his emotions as an actor, is he's my guy. When it comes to acting, uh, he's my guy. He, like, and there's other ones that are close, and there's other ones that I could go on about the same way, but, but, but Bob De Niro is my guy. Have you been able to tell him that? Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't been able to tell him that. He, yes, I have been able to tell him that. I, I, but I've never told him, because I know he's so fucking shy, but I was doing an event at the Tribeca Film Festival that I was hosting for him. Yeah. And I told him, I told the crowd, I said, I, 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 said, I, I don't want to make Bob embarrassed, because he gets embarrassed, and he doesn't like guffawing and all that stuff, but I articulated that to him uh, and, and to the crowd, and, and he, he's very aware of it. Um, I list, adore him. Like, he means so much to me as an actor. Uh, I think he's one of the most important actors of, of not just my lifetime, but it probably, like, the, if you're going to put, like, Humphrey Bogart up there, you're going to put Marlon Brando. I mean, De Niro oh, is... He took the shit to a next level. To another... Dude, tax... Just the... Just the... the the Like, so many different scenes in Taxi Driver, but just him on the phone with Sybil Shepard after he brought uh, her to the porno, yeah, and yeah, he's, yeah. like, trying to apologize yeah, yeah, and not... Yeah. Figure, that's... Just why well, maybe I think it's not just it wasn't just his performance, but working with Martin and the way that they like pulled the camera back. It's just he's it's just it's it's so fucking important to and I can kind of see it. I can kind of see it sometimes in the roles you've chosen. Yeah. And just your We've acting all stolen ability from him. We've all stolen from him. Yeah. DiCaprio. We every actor, any 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 actor and actress has stolen from Robert De Niro, whether you've done it intentionally knowing it. Or you've tried to hide it. We've all stolen from. That's like saying, uh, uh, like he's like Michael Jordan. Like he created these moves. Yeah. So there's no way to do it and not have taken from Robert De Niro. Sure. Period. So what was that like? You were able to work with him, right? Worked with him twice. I, I just adore him. I haven't done any scenes with him. I did two movies, Copland and this other movie called, oh uh, fuck, is it called with Cuba Gooding called Men of Honor. But I haven't done like a scene where I've really gotten to you throw didn't have your, down. You didn't have your uh, the heat in the diner scene with him. That's what you need, man. Write that fucking movie oh, and my... write your fucking heat in the diner scene. That is my guy. I really do love him. He's I can't my wait. Guy. I, I can't wait to see the Irishman. I'm, I'm dying not lie. for it. I I uh, also think that this song is when the album should have ended. I don't think I don't think they should have come up with Africa. I'm going to go think, off with you, dude. But dude, think about it. It builds, it builds, it and builds, it and then it just stops. Like it's the last episode of The Sopranos. I, it's I, just what happened. Why? I got that. I get that. But I think that this is like a two for two. It's a different song because it's very spiritual. He's talking about Africa, and and you know it's a homage. That song is, it's perfect to me. Africa is it's it's it the, the beat the groove the feel again the meditation of it the the It's a great the, song dude. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying you put that song maybe one before or earlier. Just earlier. Not say leave it off the record. I, I love you. this song, dude. I how, see. I think that dude, if you end it That's a good like analogy that. with the, the abruptness cuz the, the Sopranos as bad as it feels. Yeah, it's just it's like wait, wait, why didn't there's what, what happened? Like why did it just suddenly I, I, go I, I away? Hear I hear you. I it's hear brilliant. You. Yes. It's brilliant. But then to add Africa, which is a love letter to his children. Uh, said Questlove says he borrowed the beat from uh, for this one from his favorite Prince song, the 1986 cut "I Wonder You," 
And this is the album's closing track and philosophical exploration of spirit, geography, heritage, and future. And once again, written for his son, Michael Jr., this almost didn't make it to the record. Mm. According to Questlove, D'Angelo right. didn't see this as a f- at first because he had already did a song about his son. But I told him the music here fit the mood better. I know D'Angelo wanted to do a song that spoke of history, not just to his son, but to God, to Africa. You feel that in the song. To the world. No, I agree. One of the cool things about the end of this song is it does, at the very end of the record, it does this like, almost like, it's very quick. It's like 10 seconds, but it does this almost as if you're like going backwards. It goes, like it does like this, Almost like the song's over. We're rewinding it to the beginning. Yeah, sound. yeah. I, I always think that I'm like when I'm listening to it on my Alexa. I'm always like, wait, is that? Are they just switching to another song? Is this yeah. like, a, like a hidden track that I didn't yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, know yeah, about? Yeah. Um, so, but I know what you. I, I agree with what you're saying. And maybe it could have moved. Um, but then we, if it moved, who knows what? Could, something could have fell out of place. We wouldn't be talking right now. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Well, what I love, what I love about it, you're right. What what I love about it is that, like, what what Quest said is about is his history. Now, we talked about being an Ashkenazi Jew. Full blooded. For the other people that don't know Ashkenazi, better fucking recognize. But uh, which means that just to get here, there had to be some serious ancestral movement. Are you aware of your family's history in that regard? Not enough. I'm not enough. Uh, 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 we're, there's still some mysteries that me and my brother and my sister are trying to figure out. Yeah. Uh, my father's father, my grandfather, had uh, 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 nine brothers uh, and sisters, and something happened. There was a breach between the Rappaports, and 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 we don't know where they are. Uh, uh, so we're trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, and you know, for me, in regards to that and being Jewish, like. <laughs> for me Jew, be, being Jewish is more about uh, it's 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 less for me about religion and and more about culture and 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 the culture of being a Jew is is very ingrained in who I am. Yeah. Religiously I'm I'm I'm, I'm uneducated. Yeah, I'm the same. So yeah. what what are you guys looking for that you know right now We're trying dropped- to find these uncles we're trying to find. We literally have my like. My father will talk about his his father's brothers, and we're like, we don't know who the like. He'll tell someone like, we don't know these people. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck you're talking. There's a bunch of them. So there's other Rappaports out there. Albert Rappaport was was my my grandfather. There's always an Albert. Yeah, and but there's R A P A P O R T Rappaports because there's various spellings. If you're out there listening to this uh, 
to the podcast and you're also D'Angelo fans, <laughs> hit me up. I'm easy to find. I but pray I like to God so that that happens. That would be dope because I feel like I'm so outspoken that they would be able they to would find see me you. Oh, point. yeah. They, you can't the avoid you. They're, I know Maybe they're, they're off there. social media. Maybe they're off the social. Maybe they're just hiding from you. Well, you know, I mean, you do kind of go big sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, all right. Well, do you wanna, can we do a few facts and we'll get you out of here? <laughs> yes. Okay. Here are some facts. <laughs> do, go, do, go, do, go. Here are some facts. Yeah. Chicken Grease, we mentioned this earlier. This track was originally intended for Common's Like Water for Chocolate, but D'Angelo offered Common to the song, uh, offered Common the song Ghetto Heaven Part 2 as a trade. Has there ever been a role that you handed off to somebody else? Fuck no. Hell no. I wish I was at that level. Oh, well, I'm not doing it. I'm going to call Leonardo, and I'm Bradley Cooper's going to get the fuck out of here. That ain't, I, there's a <laughs> few that are at that level. I ain't at that level. Has there ever been a role that you've turned down and you're, 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 no. you regretted that you turned I don't, it down? I don't mention roles that I was up for turned down and that so-and-so got. I think that is classless to do. I've heard other actors doing it. I was offered blah, blah, blah before, and then I don't, I'm not with that. That discredits. There's been a couple of things like that, but I wouldn't do that. How about this? Let's flip the script and say, is there one that you wish you would have gotten? The, the only film that I didn't get that I wish I would have gotten, and I love the film and I love him, is... In Inglorious Bastards to play the Bear Jew, uh, that director got the part, and I know he's friends with with Tarantino, <laughs> Eli Roth. Yeah, he's not a good actor. He's a great director. He was he was miscast. I told Quentin Tarantino this. I should have been the Bear Jew. Uh, no, and I never like. And the only reason why I'm, I'm discrediting Eli Roth is because I consider him a writer director. Um, and, 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 and even my father to this day was like, you should have played that part. I wish I had played that part. I think I is in the greatest. I love Inglorious bastards, keeping it funky. I would have done a better job than Eli Roth as the bear Jew. I would have annihilated it. Every Jew doesn't have dark hair. Every Jew in Quentin's film and every Jew, if you look at most, it was like the stereotypical Jew. They all have dark hair. There's yeah. blonde Jews. There's redheaded Jews. It does, and we're not all schlubs. But but when the majority <laughs> of Jews have dark have, have dark hair, that's true. But but not all of them by any means. And 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 the bear Jew should have been fucking redhead, big nose, East Coast New York fucking <laughs> Jew who's an actual actor. So again, no disrespect to Eli Roth and Quentin's my top three directors. He's great. But that's one of them. Where I, I'm like, that was my. I still feel like. They should remake the movie and reinsert me in that part. <laughs> they should reshoot. They'll do like a George Lucas. Just this, put, this, let pose me, let me do those scenes. I'll do it pro bono. That's the one I would say. I love that. And 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 I'm saying that with all due respect to everybody involved. All right. Well, then you mentioned Tarantino. What was that like to work on True Romance? I mean, would you? Because he Great. wasn't. He wasn't Tarantino yet. But <laughs> you knew it. There is a, a, is a lightning in a bottle artist. Um, every day on the set was like, uh, 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 I would go there when I wasn't working because this one was there and that one was there and Val Kilmer and Gary Oldman and James Gandolfini, the late great, you knew he was special and it was directed by the late great Tony Scott and it was a great film. It was the only film I knew that it was going to live up to all the expectations. We all knew it was special. As Um, you were making it, you just, it had that, that fucking feeling of like, you had a little bit, a little bit of walking on water feel. Really? Yeah. 
Dude, that's fucking great, yeah. man. I, I, lo- I love that because it's such an iconic movie. Now, we're going to bring on to another one when I get to the question, but we mentioned D'Angelo was part of the Soul Quarians, yeah. a mixture of Badu, Quelle, uh, Talib Quelle, uh, I'm sorry, Mostaf, Common, just it keeps going on and on. And basically, these people work together. Now, these are an ensemble piece. So you were in Mighty Aphrodite. I yeah. mentioned it earlier for the legendary Woody Allen, who was who also notably has a collective roster of actors and filmmaking talent he's used for years. Yes, was it? Uh, where am I? Was it like? What was it like to become a major part of that close knit world? Dope for the duration of that project. It was dope working with Woody Allen. It was dope working on with Woody Allen in a New York film. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was, it, we shot it in the fall. We shot the first day of shooting was in Central Park. And I was like, yo, this is fucking cool. Like, I remember that feeling of that first day. Like, I was like, this is dope. It was a beautiful fall day. And I was hyped to, to be there. Um, I know you want to get out of here. All right. Who- you, you, you might want to move this around, but can I tell you my one D'Angelo story? Please. So, so, so one day, I believe it was Q-Tip who... Although we've had, we had our we had our uh, horns locked when we were doing the tribe movie, we were friends before, and 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 we we've we've made it to being friends now, and and uh, you know we we you know we we moved we moved past that, especially with the passing of Fife. Um, but I think it was Q Tip. I'm pretty sure it was Q Tip who said, "Yo, uh, D wants to get in touch with him." And I, was, I think it was over text. Like, D, who? he's like D'Angelo. And I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "Yeah, give him my phone number." I think it was Q Tip. But it was through text. So later on that day, I'm at lunch with my man, Jason, and I get a phone call, and it's like some weird, uh, uh, um, obscure uh, area code. And, and, and I go, hello? And he's like, yo, it's D. And I was like, who? And he was like, D'Angelo. And I was like, oh, shit. Literally, he's like, oh, yeah. shit, what's up, man? And he was like, what's up, Mike? I had never met him. He goes, yo, I fuck with you, da, da, da. And he was like, I like seeing you on all those sports shows. I like how you talk shit on all the sports shows on ESPN and on Fox. I like that shit. And he just wanted to tell me that. And we're like, we bullshitted around. When's music coming out? This is before Black Messiah. And, and, uh, but I was just like, oh, shit. Like, you know, and, but he was like, yeah, it's D. And I was like, who? And he was like, D'Angelo. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and it was a two or three minute conversation. But like, he called me to tell me. And I was like, oh, sh-, you know, like, for somebody that you love so much, even though he, I think he's a little bit younger than me, I was like, I thought it was a cool thing getting a phone call. Oh, my God. that's That would be incredible. Yeah, so. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, who was the most instrumental to your success? Mm, it, it's, it's my parents. Yeah. My parents. Very supportive. Well, your dad, your dad worked in comedy, right? No, no. My, my, my father worked in the, in the music business, in, in the radio business. He worked. He was the pro, the general manager of a radio station in New York City called WKTU Disco ninety two, and but my parents should have beat the shit out of me, and it might have beaten the sass out of me, but they they let me keep going and never never uh, didn't believe that I'd make it on the other side, and 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 that along with uh, uh, softer strokes, uh, you know, is is everything. And and if you ever met my father. Uh, uh, you know, I stole my, the majority of my act from him. He says that too. But like, like, like my father, not so much the rough stuff, but the, the, the wise guy, sweeter version, the sweet part of myself 
ball breaking is my father's. That's his shtick that it just ingrained in my in my in my. Well, it actually follows up because I'm going to keep this question going. So D'Angelo's father led a Pentecostal church, and the people home in Virginia they all thought D'Angelo was going to take the Al Green route. And D'Angelo says that may never happen because music is all the church he needs. Uh, so what are some traits that you got from your dad? Talking shit. Um, uh, funny. My father's very funny. And my father is, is very, very sensitive. That's good. I, like, I know the talking shit. I haven't seen sensitive yet. Actually, I saw a little sensitive in here. I saw, I think when you realized that I had prepared, you were like, ah, this motherfucker. Yeah, well, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah, no, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so my, my, yeah, my father's a big, a big, a big influence on me. Yeah. You know, he drives me fucking crazy. He drives me insane. My father drives me fucking nuts. What does he do to, to piss you it's off? It's just probably because we're looking at each other in a mirror. Oh, you're basically him then? Yeah, a, it's yeah. just, there's so much. It's so, and it's just, just, you know, it, you're driving me nuts. Do you think it's also because, like, he knows how much talent you have and he knows how hard of a worker, you no. know, it's like, no, oh, he, doesn't, he just I wants mean, to talk shit. I mean, he loves that and he respects that. Yeah, he, he just, just wants to talk we shit. We just drive each other crazy. <laughs> but it's, 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 I love my father. I love my mother and I, I got good parents. I love it. Uh, so D'Angelo became a global R&B superstar and sex symbol when he released 2000's music, music video, which we talked about, Untitled, How Does It Feel? But he regretted that kind of attention. Many music journalist sources claim that D'Angelo's unwanted sex symbol status caused him to go into his self-exile from the public eye and the music industry for the following decade, okay? Have you have your success? Has there ever been a success that backfired on you? Oh well, I thought you were going to ask about the 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 interferences that my sex symbolism has put on my career because <laughs> we all know that that's like a big I mean, thing. That's, dude, it's just that's a hundred percent because I go through that too. I go through it still, <laughs> even at forty. Well, I'll be forty nine when this comes out. Uh, uh, you know, like it's 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 like I I know men and women they look at me like they're like, how does he look this good? Like the jawbone. The, the, the chest and the shoulders and like they're just like the eyes like you know like they 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 do something to you. so piercing doo doo brown eyes man just they, they piercing just, I know I understand what D'Angelo <laughs> went through um but what was the question what was it what was the end of it have you ever had a success backfire on you I I, I honestly think you know because I'm staying in the present with with the successes the only thing that I I think that I would say backfire but I'm not going to stop is that I don't particularly like that people think that my shit talking social media podcast persona is who I am. That being said, it don't bother me enough to stop. Yeah. But I, I, I'm like, I, I, you know, when I, I'm like, if you're not getting the joke here, you're not getting the wink, wink here. I'm not a fucking like, you know, so like when you ask about my kids and how does it feel and like, or when I'm with my kids and people run up to me like, you fuck you. Or when I'm with my wife and you go, you fuck you. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm with my wife. You see this? This is my wife. I'm holding. Does that happen? Yeah. Oh it's, my God. It's positive. Do you fuck you? Is a, is a, it's like saying, hey man, but you're scaring me. You're scaring my wife. <laughs> We're on a date. I'm with a woman or I'm with a, 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 a young man or I'm with my father. Who's 86 and he's like, what the, f you know? Yeah, but then him being such a shit talker jumps in and goes, yeah, yeah fuck you. He doesn't, it's, it's daunting. That's the only thing. That being said, I, I know it's a, it's a, it's a term of, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a, an affectionate thing. 
That's the only thing that I would say I wish I had a, a mute button on when I'm with other people, particularly my wife. <laughs> it when you when you're with your husband and people go, you fuck you. She thinks it's like someone trying to attack me. That's that would be the only thing. That being said, you know, come on, come on, come on. But that that would be the one backfiring aside the obvious, the sex symbolism. Yeah, the sex symbolism. It's this like is- when I walk out. It's like, you know, I, I see, you know, it's like men. They're like, you know, we just like people say that I, they don't want to ask. But like, can we see the, the, the 11 and a half inch? Dick, can you? And I'm like, you don't want to ask. Me. Like, well, I'm like, you can't. It's on the tip of their tongue, and I, it's being awkward. And I'm like, I'm not going to show it to you. And they go, okay, okay. When you write that movie, yeah. When you write that movie, make sure you have an extended like Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant, like just naked arms out, yes. flapping your dick around. Yes. Mike, yes. this has been fantastic. I forgot to do this at the beginning, oh, so fuck. I'm just going to do it now. All right. Thank you for coming, and thank you for for, for being so honest. I love you. Uh, so it's good. Let's do, we sing him in. It would be Rappaport, Michael Rappaport, Rappaport, Michael Rappaport, Michael Rappaport. He's motherfucking Rappaport. Thanks, brother. What did I tell you guys? That was one of the best episodes we've done. I cannot thank Michael Rappaport enough for coming on, for being so open and being honest. He is a buddy for life. And I want you guys to go on his social media and tell him that. You can find him at Michael Rappaport on all social media. And if you want to hear more of Michael, his podcast is the I Am Rappaport Podcast, and you can find it on all the platforms. I'll be posting his mixtape track listing link on our website, which is the500podcast.com. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. I got a couple good big shows coming up. March 20th, the goddamn Comedy Jam at the Roxy here on uh, Los Angeles. I've got Mark Marin, Karen Kilgare of Tony Hinchcliffe, the Lucas Brothers. Some other big names are going to pop in. If you've never been to the goddamn Comedy Jam, it is the shit. Get your ticket. Come to the show. And then the next night, March 21st, I'm doing two shimmy shimmy yas at 8 and 1030 in the main room of the comedy store. Bill Burr is on the 8 o'clock. Don't know who's on the second one yet because I just booked the first one. But it's going to be great. All tickets are on my website at joshadammyers.com or you can go to the Roxy website or you can go to the Comedy Store website to get those tickets. And for all things 500, go to the500podcast.com. Please subscribe on your favorite platform to listen to this podcast. And do me a favor, guys. Everybody, go out. Give it a five-star rating and review it. Tell everybody how much you love it, man, because that gets our numbers up. Also, huge shout-out to DJ Morty Coyle, one of my writers on this. You can find him on Twitter, at DJ Morty Coyle, and check out him and his daughter singing many, 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 many songs from the 500 on their Instagram, at B and Daddy Cartoons. And listen to his podcast with my actual rabbi. It's called Yid Nation. 
I, I have to. I have a belief that it's got to be to do with something Jewish. Also, join our Patreon, guys, the500podcast.com backslash club. All the details for Patreon membership where you get the show a day early, you get some free merch, you get the longer episodes of the 500, you get a whole bunch of stuff. And me, Morty, and Matt Pinfield are whipping up a podcast just for our Patreon. So jump on that, the500podcast.com backslash club. Do it. Fucking do it. Now, we just listened to D'Angelo from 2000. Now, here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album. This dude is my buddy, man. I met this guy at the dog park a year and a half ago. His dog and my dog played together. I was trying to think of his dog's name. For some reason, I can't think of it. But from Baltimore, Maryland, we have Dijon. The track is called Skin. I love this dude's music. Find him on Instagram at Dijon Dijon underscore and search Dijon on Spotify to find his music. I love this dude's music. If you are in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is, oh shit, Wu-Tang Clan's own Raekwon week with his album only built for Cuban links. So y'all got some homework to do. Stay fleecy. you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzard WMMS.
the rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. Next chapter podcasts. <laughs>